If you would this morning, please turn to John chapter 14. We'll be hopping around a couple of places, but not too much. But I'd like to share something with you to give you an idea how these things come about. You know, my track, my train ran off the track about two weeks ago. And uh, somebody said that they had seen the Sunday before I was having some trolls, and I was. But I didn't think it was going to get like it did. But uh, on a Friday, I got diagnosed with a UTI, wound up I didn't have one of them. And I was glad of that because they say they're bad. But the next day at the hospital, I wound up with way too much calcium in my system. And they say that stuff will make you go crazy as a rat. And that's about the way I was. I was hallucinating. I'd see things that wasn't there. I was trying to, to, to find words to finish a sentence with, and I couldn't find them. And uh, everybody's scuffling around trying to find out what was wrong. Well, I thank you. They said they did. They found part of it at least. And they turned me loose and they're going to find the rest of it. But at any rate, when I finally got to that hospital bed and all the settling and the tests and questions and everything else got down, I was able to pull the cover over my head. It had been a rough couple, three days. And I was under that cover praying to Jesus. And I had my, all my problems. You know, I'm a complicated guy. I can have troubles in places that other folks didn't even think about, you know. God, I guess we're all that way. But I had all my troubles labeled, and I was going down the list of them praying that Jesus would take care of each one of them one by one. And all of a sudden I got interrupted. And he said, hey, why don't you just pray for peace? Well, I thought I never thought about that. I know the Bible tells me to pray for my leaders in the country because, because of that I'll have some, some sort of peace. But other than that, peace is a word. I'd read it a million times. I had it on... And peace got to be a real important word to me. I talked to Jeremy about it, and the Lord made a sermon for him out of it. And we got part of that taken care of, but he still had me after it. And I want to tell you what I've learned in the last couple, three weeks about something called peace. It's a good word. It takes care of all your problems. It really does. You don't, have to, you don't have to make a list. When you pray for peace, God will give you peace. And when you've got peace, the other problems you don't understand. They may not go away. But think about Jesus. A lot of the problems Jesus had come to him to give him problems with, give him trouble, they stayed right there. He didn't run every trouble off, just some of them. But hey, he went on with his peace with the trouble right there on either side. And the Pharisees criticized him about being around folks like he was around. 
But the kind of peace that Jesus had, that's what I want. Because it was a good peace. The Bible's definition of peace is a spirit of tranquility and freedom from either outward or inward disturbance. Now look at that. What the Bible calls peace is when you are in a state, it says a spirit, you have this idea, and that's what a spirit is. You can't grab it and hold it. It just comes through the place and you know it's there. But it is a spirit that comes over you that causes you not to be disturbed by anything on the inside of you or on the outside of you. It covers every, every direction. In this case, this peace we're talking about is a gift from God. And you can ask for it. And you can get it. But you're going to get it whether you ask for it or not. That's what I like. This is not world peace. Now look, don't bother yourself with praying for that the world will be in peace because it's not going to be. Jesus said it. The world will not have peace until the man of peace returns. And when he comes back, he's going to get rid of all his enemies and we're going to be square with everything. <laughs> Nothing's going to be bothering any of us. But it's not going to be that way that he comes, so don't waste your time praying for it. And it's going to happen. This is peace that he's talking about and that I'm fixing to talk about is peace for you and for me. It's not even peace for my wife necessarily unless I give it to her and pray for it for her. But it's for me and for you. I think probably this thing's going to get bigger and bigger kind of like granddaddy talking about eating a what was it? A, a what? Chicken gizzard. He said, "The more you chew it, the bigger it gets." You know. And he used to get on me. Said I wasn't a clerk because I didn't like chicken gizzards. Yeah, yeah. Mac did. He he knew every place between here and Mobile that cooked them on the side of the road, even if it was on the old number three wash tub with a grate on top. You know. But at any rate, what I'm trying to say, tell you about this peace that I'm talking about is for you, and it's for me. And we're going to learn something about it today. In John 14 and verse 27, Jesus says, Peace I leave with you. He was fixing to leave. He's fixing to go back to heaven. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, giveth I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. When you are complying with this verse, you are in a state of peace to some extent. Because peace when you get that peace from Jesus is a solution to your problem. That's called peace 
with God. Let me explain something now. A lot of people have never gotten to this place. They've never heard this preached. But when you were born, you were an enemy to God. My Bible says you were. You were sinning from the time you were born, David said. And the only way you can get this peace from God is to be born again. When you are born again, you become a Christian, you're saved, whatever the word is, as it happens to be used. Whenever you get to be God's child, you are no longer his enemy. And you get a peace with him like we have between nations. They, go, they, 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 they leave war and they go to a peaceful situation. And this is where you become with God. He is now kin to you. Jesus is your oldest brother. You're in the family. And you're not God's enemy anymore. And that comes whether you ask for it or not. As soon as you believe in Jesus Christ and his blood was shed for your salvation, you get that peace. It's called peace with God. You're no longer enemies. In John 16, just a page over to the right, in verse 33, Jesus is telling the disciples about all the things right before he leaves this earth. And he says in verse 33, These things I have spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace. In the world you'll have tribulation. But be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. Jesus says, with salvation, I will give you a peace. It's a form of this word, peace, but it's not all that it means. But it says here three things. But be of good cheer. That's a commandment. It says in the last verse, let not have you fear. Let not your heart be troubled. Neither be afraid. Those are commandments too. Did you know that you have command of your mind? That if a thought jumps in there, wherever it comes from, you can command it out or to stay in? And God says you've got to have command of your mind in order not to be vulnerable to these things that Satan keeps throwing at you. If you're in control of your mind, you can say, because he says in Psalms, I think, 55, if we allow bad thought to stay in our minds willingly, God won't hear our prayers. So think about that. He said, think on the things that are for beauty and for good and for truth and for Jesus and God. Don't think on this junk because it's coming at you from every angle. So there's something here to this. We need to try not to be afraid. We need to try not to be troubled. 
And we need to be in good cheer simply because we're born again. That's the only reason. It don't matter what you had for breakfast, what you drive, what you live in, what you dressed in. It don't matter about none of that stuff. It matters that your name is written in heaven. That's what you brag about, Jesus said. So how do we stay out of trouble? How do we keep this trouble away from us? How do we stay in this thing called peace? In Proverbs chapter 10, and by the way, for people who are looking for peace, trying to find peace, want peace for themselves, and you get it in the middle of your target and you're looking for it every day, you need to be reading Proverbs. Proverbs keeps you out of a lot of bad places you wouldn't recognize if you didn't know it come out of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 19 says, In a multitude of words there wanteth not sin. In other words, if you talk enough, you're going to mess up. And the way to keep from being in the middle of sin is another phrase in this scripture. Hold your peace. That's the word they use for shut up. Keep your lips, keep your tongue. Whoso keepeth his mouth and tongue keepeth his soul from trouble. I've got that memorized because I've had it memorized ever since I was 15 because I didn't know how to keep my mouth shut. And it got me in a lot of trouble. But he that refraineth his lips is wise. So you know what I saying in, in, in 16th century English? It says, watch what you say. It says in another place in Proverbs, if you just keep your mouth shut, there's a lot of folks that think you're smarter than you really are. You know when everybody's running their mouth and giving their opinion, and you sit there and don't say anything, and just sit there and listen to everybody, everybody else thinks you're, you're smart. They wish they had been able to keep their mouth. You ever been in that situation? I wish I hadn't said what I did. Tribulation is disturbance. It's all the same thing. In this world, ye shall have tribulation. That's disturbance. And that all comes under the head of sin. In Luke chapter 1, verse 79, don't go there, just listen. Jesus came to guide our feet to the way of peace. Jesus is protecting us. He guides our feet to the way of peace. Now think for a moment on that. You're walking down this aisle of a store. You got a cart, you're buying something, and there's a guy that can't stand you right up around the corner up there. You were going up there and turn to the left, and you'd bump right into him. And there'll probably be a confrontation, or something will be said, or something smart at it will be said. They'll get you all riled up and make you want to fight. But you turned right up there instead of left. Because you just thought about a can of tomatoes over on this aisle over here that you hadn't thought about before. Now, who put that thought in your mind about that can of tomatoes to keep you from that aisle over there where you was going to get in trouble? 
I honestly believe for the life that I've lived with the dangers that I've lived with and whatever, when I get to heaven, there's going to be a conversation sooner or later when one of them says, you remember that time you was over, you know there's a rattlesnake that big around right over there around the corner, and you know I kept you from off of that. And the time you did this, time you did that, Because I've lived a protected life, people. I know that now. And God guides our feet to keep us out of trouble before we ever get into it. It was there and you didn't even know about it. Nobody warns you. But there are dangers that move. They're not stable. They don't stay in a place. And they move with you. And if you don't know where you're going, you can step right in the middle of one of them. That peace, that protecting kind of peace, came when you became a member of God's family. Most young believers have no clue that they've got this peace that Jesus gave them at salvation that protects them from all kind of things. You know they assign an angel to you too. You know that. There's been one assigned to you as the elect of God because you were chosen before the foundation of the world. There was an angel assigned to you when you were born because see one day you're going to be saved. And you need to be protected so that the ministry God has for you when you get there won't be ruined by something you do stupidly way on back before you ever even get there. Satan's trying to do those things where when God comes to the place to where he can use you, you're not fit to be used. God starts protecting us from things that we didn't know we're being, even being protected from. We don't even know it. Then some of us begin to notice that we are in a state of protection from God and we see little things happening and we know that God did that. How many of you know that? You can remember. You can remember when this car moved this way and that one and there was a head on and you could have been it if you'd have passed but you looked in the rearview mirror and saw somebody passing you ahead of time and they head on, it could have been you. You begin to see those things and you know God has got you prepared for something and he's keeping you away from a bunch of junk. And then when you see that he's protecting you from things, you start watching. And you see some things you can protect yourself from. And that's where we live as children of God and brothers and sisters to Jesus Christ in a state of protection, a state of peace. All believers can enjoy this peace with God. They're brought into a right relationship with God. They're no longer enemies from the womb.
One reason, because we're justified by faith. You express faith in what you've heard about the blood of Jesus Christ being shed for your sins. And you believe that. And you find yourself in, a, in another state, in another world as a Christian. And it's a new place. And we don't recognize everything real quick. We couldn't understand the Bible a moment before we were saved except salvation. That's the only thing an unsaved person understands about the Bible. The rest of it, the Bible says, is foolishness. We're justified by faith. We're in God's family. We're being protected every second. But that's limited. There's another kind of faith that he's talking about here. There's not just one. The faith that we have from salvation is automatic that we get that is free and it's from Jesus is a limited kind of a peace. We'll have problems. But most of them are caused by ourselves. In Philippians chapter 4, I'd like for you to turn there if you will, please. Philippians chapter 4. Now here we are. We've been saved, some a short time, some a long time. They all get the same reward, doesn't matter. But we're Christians, and we walk as Christians. And we've learned God's taught us things. And he's taught us to look after ourselves, to use wisdom. He's got wisdom scattered out throughout that Bible. And if we read it, we'll learn to use it and stay out of trouble. We can stay out of a lot of the trouble we would have been in because we didn't get in it. We saw it coming and we sidestepped it. So I'll interject this question right here because it's between these two kinds of peace. What do you need? Do what? What do you need? What do you need today? You don't need what I need. I don't need what you need. Each one of us has got needs, but what do we do about our needs? Do we fret? Do we get upset? Do we get anxious? Do we worry? Do we wring our hands and say, Lord, how in the world will I do this? I remember when our oldest was being carried by Judy. We were in Tuskegee. I was making $75 a week. That's pretty good wages in those days. But I didn't have any insurance. Couldn't afford it. Mama carried $20, $25 every time she went to Montgomery to see the doctor. But they said I was going to have to have $465 to get my wife and baby out of the hospital. And I had no clue where it would come from. Mr. Lige was up at the store. He was a black man. He was 91 years old. And he walked up to me that morning. I went up there to get a cold drink. He said, Mr. Clark. I said, yes, sir. He said, your countenance looks low. <laughs> Folks up here don't talk like that. Those folks down there, 
that grandsons and daughters are slaves, they still talk using Bible talk. They do it every day. He said, your countenance looks low. I said, well, Uncle Elijah, I'll tell you the truth. My wife is carrying a little bit of money to the hospital every time she sees a doctor. But I got to come up with $465. Now, I don't know where it's going to come from. He said, Mr. Joe, listen to me. I'm 91 years old. I've outlived three wives, and I got 19 children. And I raised them all up down here in Macon County, and you do know what I'm talking about. Well, I did. For every bale of cotton he made as a sharecropper, he probably got beat out of two-thirds of it. That's just the way it was done. And it made humble people out of those people. And they're still humble today. He said, Mr. Joe, there's one thing I've learned. When the Lord makes a possum, he makes a simmon to feed him on. And if he's created a young'un, he's going to take care of that young'un. You ain't going to have to worry about it. You know, to this day, I still can't figure out where I come up with that $165 or $465. But I did, and I paid my, my wife out of the hospital, and I brought Audra home. That's the way God works. As simple as you want to put it, from an uneducated man who was 91 years old, who could outrun any teenager I ever seen. And he had bet those teenagers who didn't know any better a quarter that he could outrun them to the telephone pole and then go take the quarter by one of them short beers, you know. Now that was Uncle Elijah. But he knew how God operated because he had to. There's so many times he didn't have nothing else. But it says in Philippians chapter 4, in verse 6, be careful or be anxious. Don't worry, he says. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything, that's my point, in everything, everything that comes in your life that you need, listen to what he says. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, that's begging, With thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. Ask Him for everything. Has anybody ever said in your presence, Lord, ain't got time to mess with that. You're wasting your time asking Him for that. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. Not my God. I don't waste my time asking Him for anything. And the peace of God. Uh-oh. We've got a different, different preposition there. Not peace with God. We don't got that settled. We're Christian. He's not our enemy anymore. But there's another peace that we can get, and it's the peace of God, which passeth all understanding. That means it's a miracle. Shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. That word keep means Jesus is guarding you because you're praying because of who you are. Not because of what you're doing, it's because of who you are. You are a child of God.
Now this peace of God is enjoyed only by believers who meet its condition. It's not free. It's not automatic. It does not come just because you're a child of God. It doesn't. If you'll notice where this scripture came out of, chapter 4 of Philippians is all about living your Christian life. And there is a way to live your Christian life so that you will have another peace that with it coupled up with the peace with God, you'll have all the peace you can get. And that's a good place to be. So how do you serve God? There's a way to serve God where you will have this peace of God. He gives it to you as you live the Christian life. Romans chapter 8, verse 4, 5, and 6 talks about a thing I've got written right there in big, bold, black ink, control. You've got a choice. As a Christian, you can live the spiritual life, which is life and peace and heaven and Jesus and the Holy Spirit and Jehovah God. Or you can live in the flesh, which is you. When you've got a problem, you can turn it over to God and say, handle it, or you can handle it yourself. Come up with your own solution, make your own choice, and suffer the consequences. We've all done some of that too. But God today is telling you, as a child of mine, as a brother or sister of Jesus Christ, let heaven make your decisions. It says in it said in, 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 in chapter one of verse seventy-nine, God will guide your feet to peace. Why don't you let him? How do you let him? You take your mind out of it and give the problem to him. And let him be responsible for whatever comes up. Now you know you don't worry near as much about somebody else's responsibilities as you do about your own. So when you hand it over to him, you can keep from being anxious. We can go after the flesh, which is ourself and Satan, because he can do anything he wants to with an unbeliever anytime he wants to do it. Or go after the spiritual side, which is the heavenly side. We don't get peace of God by choosing the flesh. We just don't. The flesh is us. Me and my brain. Oh, I can handle that. I've handled that before. I'll make a decision again as good as the last one. You may not. David didn't. He had to go to God every morning to see how he's supposed to fight that battle that day. And somebody said, well, you whooped them yesterday. You're going to fight them again today. Why don't you go back to God? He said, just, just wait. And God told him a different way to fight every day. A different way. God's advice for him, for some reason, fighting the same bunch of Philistines in the same place was different than it was yesterday.
we let the spiritual world charge choose for us. We don't choose for ourselves. We don't get anxious. We don't worry. We don't fret and wring our hands. We pray. That's what he said. We use wisdom as in Proverbs. Every page. Every page of Proverbs has got a wisdom in it. And it's easy to understand too. As a teenager, I read a a chapter a day. 31 chapters. So the months that had 31 days in it, I got to study about the virtuous woman. We avoid troublemakers. But if they come, we keep our mouth shut. Have you ever noticed you open your mouth and you get into it? If we can't stay away from a troublemaker, why can't we keep our mouth shut if we got to be around them? We learn to avoid them. What did my Bible say? Beware of a double-minded man. He's unstable in all his ways. Well, if his, all his ways is like it is when he opens his mouth, I don't want him to be around it. So I'll go the other way. The opposite of denying ourselves. You know what Jesus said. The secret of this whole thing is, if a man would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow after me. Well, how do you deny yourself? You turn your brain off, and you ask God to answer, answer the problem for you. The opposite of denying ourselves is the attempt to defend our reputation, who we are. Don't you know who I am? Don't you realize who I am? You don't need to be talking to me that way because I'm who I am. Jesus didn't come after nobody like that. He never told anybody what he had, never told anybody where he'd been, never told anybody how important he was, and he was the important, most important human being that ever lived. He said he didn't have a house to live in. And the only clothes he had was those on his back. And why be studying about all kind of things like that? You know, it came to me finally after a while, I don't need to defend who I am. All I need to do is to be who I am and the result of me being who I am will develop in a reputation that said I was something to start with. All you got to do is just keep being. Just keep being. Just because one person disagrees with you and says you're a bum, everybody don't believe that away. You know everybody doesn't because I don't believe that away. I'm not a bum. I know I'm not. So why if a fellow walks up to me and calls me a nasty name, have I got to believe that that's what I am? Especially you young men. Read Proverbs. Doesn't take long to read one verse a day. But I'm telling you, it's, it's good for every man especially and the women folks too. It really is. 
Proverbs 26, 17 is an interesting verse. I was reminded of it when LBJ was in, y'all remember when LBJ was in office, huh? Some of you do, I guess. You remember he picked up them beagles with his ears? You remember that? And everybody made a big deal about the President of the United States picking up a dog with his ears? I wonder how in the world should somebody come up with picking up a dog with his ears? Well, it came out of the Bible. In Proverbs chapter 26, verse 17, a man passes by and meddleth with strife, belonging not to him. It describes this guy. He's just walking along. He, you know, he may not even have anywhere to go. Just kind of strolling by, enjoying the day. And he meddles with strife. This it don't even belong to him. It's like a man that says it picks up a dog with a ear. Now, when I was a kid, there wasn't too many pits around. There's a lot of pit dogs around now. Can you imagine reaching and picking up somebody else's pit dog by the ear? Probably wind up armless up to there, you know. Getting in a mess that wasn't yours to start with. That gets a lot of folks in trouble. And all we've got to do is take a step this way. Take a step that way. Don't keep going straight toward the problem. You see, he's up the aisle up there. And keep your mouth shut. In case you can't avoid him, keep your mouth shut. But I'm going to tell you something, folks. There's something maybe you hadn't thought about. Well, did you hear what he said to me? Why in the world would he say something like that? Well, let me ask you this. Suppose you, he says that, you confront him. And then he says it back, and you say it back, and he says it back, and you say it back. And everybody around there is listening. And everybody around you has just heard you in public meddle in business that wasn't yours to start with. Now, how many things you think comes under the list if there's one man I'm not going to ask about Jesus with, because I can tell he don't do nothing but want to get in trouble. He's always wanting to fuss and fight. You don't have the peace and they recognize it. If they got a problem, they want to ask somebody that's already accomplished things by having peace. If you really think about it, you're not too smart if you go and get in a mess that wasn't yours to start with anyhow. So if you're not smart by letting yourself get in that mess, how smart do you think you can convince that other guy that you are after you get into confrontation? So what I'm saying is this. Jesus pointed me toward peace. And he told me, why didn't I quit praying for all them little things and having them all organized and everything so I wouldn't forget anything? It pointed me toward peace. And it's bigger than I thought it was. It's really big. Because the one thing that Jesus had that is so hard for us to duplicate we can do a lot of the things that Jesus did and we are equipped with the same Holy Spirit that raised him from the dead. Amen. 
So we have the power to do anything Jesus did as long as God is behind it. But we can look smart. We can look wise because we're quiet and we're settled. And if you're not in the middle of a verbal argument, you'll have a certain about a peaceful look about you. You certainly won't look like that bunch that's out there yeah, yeah, yeah at each other. And we can build a reputation that God will be pleased with that other people will recognize us. It must be God, because I've been knowing him a long time, and he hadn't been that way all along. So our God gets the credit, and that is the honor that he put us on this, this earth for, to get the glory and the honor that he deserves through us in simple way that we deal with each other. No big deal. It happens every day. You don't have to set the stage. You don't have to pray for it. It's going to happen. But how many times have you walked away from a confrontation and said, if I hadn't opened my mouth, we wouldn't even have that? God intends for us to live different, folks. There is a scripture that talks about us being worthy of what God has given us. And sometimes it comes down to the simple fact that we're worthy simply because we just don't say anything. We don't have to say anything. We find ourselves in discussion that we can't get out of without getting hammered to the wall. And I've learned that there are a lot of people in this earth that can get along without knowing what I know. So why should I tell them? <laughs> Especially volunteers. Peace. Why don't you just pray for peace? When you got it, nothing else matters. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your education, that school you got all of us in who claim to be children of God. Teach us. Show us. Make us examples of who Jesus is and how he got along and how much controversy he found himself in and was always able to ease out of it because he never tried to defend himself. Lord, I thank you for your wisdom and for us. Even for us that maybe don't quite understand just how important it is for us to be representatives of God here on this earth in a world that Satan controls. Keep us from being too friendly with the world, Lord. That we feel like our citizenship papers are already in heaven. And we'll give you the honor and the glory for it all. Thank you for Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen.